0: Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz I want to welcome you to the WapakNAS podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak NAS is love people, loving people to Jesus. And it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak NAS to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Mentioning that you're here may deter them from No, I'm just kidding. I'm nice. totally kidding. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> We we are grateful for Noah and and uh, I, um, I I want to say uh, I, I received a text from Matthew he's he is our youth pastor Matthew's our youth pastor and he and Chris are at camp today uh, they've been at camp uh, since Friday and Noah uh, Noah has been uh, at camp. Uh, off and on throughout the weekend and, and Matthew, Matthew shared with me, he, he said I appreciated Noah very, very much because Noah was there uh, helping out in any way he could and uh, if there was, he wasn't doing anything, he was saying, he went to Matthew and said what can I do and that really, uh, that that's, that's who he is but that's also who we are as a people and I, I just want to thank you thank Noah give him a shout out for that appreciate you brother and so yes we are glad that you're here and honestly he is correct um, because of your giving he is here and we're grateful to to you to allow him to be here as well Whew. good morning man it has been good has it not it has been a good morning and I am just grateful to be uh, with you and uh, thank 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 you that that you allow me to speak into your life um, on a weekly basis, but also on a periodic basis. Uh, If you would uh, please turn or pull out your phone, we're eventually going to land in Ephesians chapter 6. It's in the New Testament, Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're on a series called Fire and Water. Uh, This series is mirroring what our kids upstairs uh, in Pier 252, our elementary kids, uh, are, are learning this week. Obviously next week at Slime Sunday we are together and we're learning together but all month long uh, you and I and our elementary kids have been learning the same stories. We started with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego uh, and uh, then last week Noah brought us uh, Peter and Jesus walking on the water and this week we are right smack dab at the end of the book of Ephesians written by Paul um, and I just want to give you a good morning to the Lord's mighty warriors. See, I, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up and I, I, I wasn't really much of a fighter. I always took the, the you know that, that, that old uh, cliche, I'm a lover and not a fighter. Yeah, I was the lover, right? Because I actually, I, I lost more fights than I was in because I ran from more fights than I was in. Uh, that's just the way it was. So I decided uh, that I would take karate at the age of 22. <laughs> that's right. I was a 22-year-old in a uh, white belt karate class, and uh, in my my year of being in karate, uh, I, I actually uh, signed up for attorney. A citywide tourney. And it was, this is the story of the not so karate kid, because I was not really the karate kid, man. Uh, but at this citywide tourney, I, I entered two events one was the kata, and the other was hand to hand combat. And the kata was basically you were fighting an invisible enemy. And in my kata, somehow I got turned around so much so that when I was to bow at the end to the judges I actually bowed to no one and the judge got a good view of my behind <laughs> and then when I actually fought a visible enemy uh, the first round somehow I got a nice blow to the body and I got a point point. and I really didn't want to get hit in the face And so I used my quick kick, and uh, somehow I got scored two points with my my, my kick. And uh, so I advanced to the second round. Lo and behold, my second round opponent got disqualified because he hit me in the face. So really trying hard not for that to happen. Third round, final round. It was not much of a round. Like I said, this is the story of the not-so-karate kid and I went down three to zero and lost. However, I got a cool t-shirt <laughs> because I you know, paid the fee. You pay the fee, you're basically purchasing the t-shirt. I caught a cool medal, second place medal because the second round opponent disqualified himself. By default, you get a medal in the last round. I got a cool name, well, not a really cool name, but the youth pastor, this was held at our church, or the citywide tournament was at our church, and the youth pastor was there, and so I got the name Kiki, and he continues to call me Kiki from 20 years later, and then I had the embarrassing moment where I showed the judges my butt. I think a lot of us uh, don't really believe ourselves to be much like a warrior or a karate kid, right? We we kind of have this feeling that that when it comes down to the fight we're, we're more like the not so karate kid we don't believe ourselves to be mighty warriors in any way shape or form it's kind of like the Old Testament Gideon Judges chapter 6 where he's he and his people have been oppressed by the Midianites and many ancient Near Eastern people and he has found himself in a wine press sifting wheat throwing the wheat up in the air under the wine press, and the angel of the Lord comes to him and declares, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. At that moment, Gideon didn't believe himself to be a mighty warrior, and honestly, I left that tournament feeling like a not-so-karate kid. But the Lord sees us differently. Paul says we're more than conquerors, and I, I, I agree with Paul that we are more than conquerors. We're, we're mighty warriors, Whether we view ourselves as mighty warriors or not, we are mighty warriors. And I want to declare to you today, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. We are in a war. War is waging around us. And we are fighting an invisible enemy. No, we will not bow to him. Maybe if we give him a bow to where he sees our rear end, but we will not bow to him, but we are, in, we are waging a war in a war with an invisible enemy and the spiritual cosmic forces of darkness and evil. It is true. Whether you want to believe that or not, we are engaged in war. And so, we must Stand up like the mighty warriors the Lord sees us as. And so today, we're going to engage, begin to understand the rules of engagement as mighty warriors of the Lord and His kingdom. So would you mind, as I asked, uh, open up to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 10, and we're going to go all the way through verse 20. And Paul wraps up this letter to the church of Ephesus with finally, or from this point forward, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's Be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. Then Paul says, pray also for me. This should be a prayer for all of us, for each other. Pray also for each other that whenever we open our mouths, words may be given so that we will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which at this point Paul is an ambassador in chains. He's in prison. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Lord, Father, we ask that you speak through your word. Whether I fumble or bumble, it does not matter. But your spirit can speak into our, into our own hearts. May we take what you give us and apply it to our life, apply it to this body of Christ and apply it to our community. Because our faith should move us into action. And Lord, whether we believe it or not, may we stand in as mighty warriors of the King. It is in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. Paul says that we are fighting an unconventional war. All of us are battling an unconventional war. Therefore, we fight with unconventional warfare. He says in 2 Corinthians that the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We do not fight like the world does. This is not a citywide karate tourney. This is real world, in your home, in the community, in the church, war. And so, we battle and fight in ways that are not with weapons of the world. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so, Sun Tzu, the author of The Art of War, the 5th uh, 5th century BC military strategist for China. He actually wrote in his book, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will suffer a defeat, meaning you haven't learned anything. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Now, this is great for conventional warfare, right? Know you, know who you're fighting, know how they fight. Paul very quickly declares who the enemy is. Pretty much that's the only thing that Paul and Sun Tzu have in common. Because this is unconventional war. But know the enemy. I don't want to give too much time to the enemy. We don't need to give him his due. What is due for him is destruction. And quite frankly, I feel like to all too often, church folk, people who fall in Christ, give the enemy more due than he is worth. And that is credit to him. Devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You chose to do it. You wanted to do it. But the enemy is there deceiving. So we need to know our enemy. And so we're briefly going to know our enemy. In fact, he says the devil schemes, identifies the enemy. He identifies the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He identifies the enemy and makes him clear. Peter, or Jesus himself, believes that the enemy is real. real. In the moment where Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, when he was at his weakest physically, we note that the tempter came to him. Matthew also shares that the devil, who was the tempter, took him to a holy place. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. The enemy is clear, he is real, and he is the ultimate evil. Jesus said to the enemy, the tempter, the devil, away from me, Satan. We are to worship the Lord our God and serve him only, correct? Then the devil left him. Jesus understood that the devil was real. And he is at work looking to usurp and remove the Lord from his throne and from the throne within your life. From the throne of your family. From the throne of the church and the community. First point. devil's real, and he's the ultimate evil. What's his main objective? Well, Peter says, your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the thief comes only to steal... And kill and destroy his ultimate objective is to usurp the power of the Lord in your life and to remove the influence and the power of the church to destroy the individual to destroy the family so that you were separated from the Lord your God Jesus Christ came for very specific reasons we celebrate Christmas because he came among us he dwelt among us in flesh We celebrate Easter because he died, he chose to sacrifice himself on the cross for our sins, and then three days later rose from the dead. That that power may live in us because of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, in our life. The enemy doesn't want that to happen in your life. He doesn't want that to happen in anyone's life. Peter understood this very clearly. In fact, before Jesus' arrest... Jesus declared to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Peter understood this very clearly, that the enemy is real and the enemy wants to separate us from the Lord. Jesus identifies the enemy and calls him out and actually gives us a clear description of who he is. In a conversation with the teachers of the law and Jews who were questioning Jesus, Jesus actually declared that they were actually children of the devil. As they believed themselves to be children of Abraham. And then he went on with a description of who the devil is. He said he was a murderer from the beginning. In him holding no truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Folks, the tempter, the devil, Satan, he's the father of lies, the author of lies, he's the deceiver, the slanderer. And not only is his main objective to dethrone the Lord, to separate humanity from the Lord, he uses deception as his number one tool. Deception, falsehoods, lies, allegations, accusations. Why? Because if we are deceived, it's very easily for us to fall into temptation. It's very easy for sin to take root into our life. Because once temptation, fully grown, gives birth to sin, and sin to death, separation from the Lord. Jesus Christ, in the gospel, He died for our sins that we may have grace and forgiveness. Therefore, the M.O. of the enemy, the invisible enemy, is deception. He slithered his way into the story of humanity in the garden using deception and twisting truth. And in that moment, the fall. And he continues to use this tactic today. If you know the truth begin to see how easy it is for others to be deceived when they don't know the truth. The enemy is real. He is the ultimate evil. He wants to dethrone the Lord from your life. And he uses deception to do so. Because deception quickly leads to temptation. The author of lies seeks to keep you from life. And the author of Lies do very specific things. They distract you from the Lord's voice. They divert you from your purpose, and they destroy your potential. You can see this at work in many families that you utilize the lie to get out of things. If it starts with mother and the father, it quickly goes down to the children. And if all of them are lying, we're not together anymore. We're all out for ourself, right? We see it play out in familial relationships all the time. Lies distract you from the Lord's voice. They divert you from your purpose and destroy your potential and quickly lead to temptation, and sin gives birth to death. Know your enemy. Know his tactic. But don't give him more time than he deserves because he doesn't deserve any, right? Right? With that know your enemy, know who you're fighting, know yourself, and know how your enemy fights. By default, we understand who our enemy is not. Paul declares the enemy, identifies the enemy, he identifies the method of the enemy, but he also identifies who the enemy is not. Notice how he says in verse 10, "For our struggle, is not against flesh and blood folks it's very clear from this humanity is not the enemy humanity is not the enemy your brother, your mother your father, your sister, your neighbor the person that opposes you the person that doesn't like you they're they're, they're not your enemy the fact is If the enemy is working by deception in the world, that means the world is deceived. For those who know the truth, we can see that. We understand that. But I think sometimes we get very, very confused. Because when we begin to know the truth and see that others don't, we begin to feel like they are our enemy. Especially if they're opposed to the movement of the church, they're opposed to Christ. They're opposed to the church. But see, Jesus actually declares in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right? I didn't hear an amen on that one. I'm waiting for Jim Johnson to go, amen! (laughs) Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Why? Because Jesus understood something that some of us sometimes forget or we have never thought of before. Again, if you want to know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said, watch what Jesus did. So, let's look at the cross for a moment. When he's on the cross and he's hanging above all of those people who are watching him die and suffer, he immediately says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Because he understood that humanity, even those that put the wheels of murder in motion, in movement, he understood that they were not the enemy. The ultimate enemy is the ultimate evil, which is the devil. Often, we who are deceived become pawns, unwitting pawns, in the devil's schemes. It happens in the church often. Churches split because of this. Movement and momentum stops because of this. Folks, humanity is not the enemy, those who oppose the church are not the enemy. We must understand who the enemy is and who it isn't. And may we not point the finger at those that aren't the enemy. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Right? So, enough said about the enemy. Because we fight from the victory true now that's an amen we fight from the victory that is not won by us we fight from the victory that it was won on resurrection sunday that was won when the holy spirit entered humanity acts chapter 2 pentecost so what are the rules of engagement for mighty warriors well folks One of the rules of engagement for the mighty warrior in the kingdom of God and in real life and in our reality is that warriors battle together in community and not in isolation. See, we in the 21st century took a lesson from the 20th century. The Lord is my personal Savior. It is my relationship with Jesus Christ. I totally agree. Early church believed that Jesus Christ was their personal Lord and Savior. But they understood very clearly that their faith cannot be done in isolation. Jesus Christ died, rose from the dead... And In Acts chapter 2, the church was birthed, the church, which is a collective group of people. This letter in Ephesians was written to a collective group of people called the church of Ephesus. So anytime Paul uses the word you in this section, he is talking to not E-W-E-U, just sheep, right? I know, right over our heads, right? He's talking to the collective you, the plural pronoun you. So when he says, you be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, and you put on the full armor of God, he's talking to us all together. We battle together. Why? Again, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. You know what the roaring lion looks for? He looks for the isolated. He looks for the injured. Faith in isolation. You're going to get picked off. Very quickly. Let us not give up on meeting together. Mm. Those words resound a lot more since the pandemic. Right? Right? Praise the Lord that we partnered with a group of people called the WAC. And we prayed together in a parking lot over those 12 weeks. We didn't cancel anything. We just, church looked a little different, didn't it? Praise God. Let us not give up on meeting together as some have done. But let us encourage one another until the day of his approaching. Until the day of Christ. Mighty warriors. They pray first, pray always, and pray in all ways. They pray first, pray always, and pray in all ways. Paul says this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, Ephesians 6.18, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. Folks, this is the church, the body, the group of people coming together and praying together. And then when they're not together, they're praying for one another. So, he gives us some imagery here. He does give us some imagery of of a mighty warrior, of a soldier keeping watch over the night. He says, be alert. That's an idea, that's a picture of a soldier. Watching the camp, staying up, having a sleepless night, ensuring that the rest of the people in the camp who are sleeping are secure. they pray all kinds of prayers and all requests it was interesting this last sunday when we had pizza with the pastor some new folks that hadn't been here for a very long time they quoted our plumb line pray now pray later because if you don't pray now you won't pray later hadn't been here five six weeks they understand that we are to be people of prayer Because that's who we are. That's what we do. And we do it frequently on Sunday mornings. And we also come together on Sunday evenings. We also pray over one another on Wednesday evenings at Digging Deeper. We pray over one another together, even if we don't know them at the altar. Folks, we pray first, we pray always, and we pray in all ways. It cannot and will not be a last resort. It must be the first tool. It must be the first weapon in fighting the invisible enemy. Remember, this is an unconventional war. And we fight unconventionally. And this is a weapon that is rarely wielded by the church. All of you sitting here today and listening online on Spotify, you were here because people got together and prayed over you. Whether they knew you or not. Whether you live in Wapakoneta or you don't. Or you live in the surrounding areas. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for those that are listening online for a long time. We can't wait to meet you. We're so glad you're part of the tribe. But there's something about coming together and praying for one another. And Paul understood this. That when we fight the invisible enemy, we fight with power. We fight in a way that is unconventional, but it is the only way we fight. The mighty warrior prays first, prays always, and prays in all ways. This is an impassioned prayer, desperate for the need of other people, crying out. It's intense. Mighty warriors. Mighty warriors are mighty only because they are empowered by God. When Paul says two things, when he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, he actually says, be empowered. Meaning, there is power to be had that you do not have, and you have access to it. See, I'll use Noah as an example. I asked Noah uh, this week, I said, Hey, would, would, you mind, would you mind praying over our folks? And then I also said, I don't know if you're comfortable or not, but would you also do the tithes and offerings moment? Now, Noah is new here and will only be here for a short time. But I, by a, being a leader, virtue of the position... I empowered him to do that moment. He didn't have any of that authority, right? Not that I have any authority. Please, don't don't get me wrong. There is no pedestal under my feet, man. I'm I'm preaching from about two feet under, okay? But he was empowered. There was power available, and he was empowered to do something. And we try to empower you to serve and do great things, not only here, but in your community. But here, Paul says, hey, there is power available. And this is a battle, and this is a war that you can't win in human power. Although we often try, right? Because prayer is the last resort, right? No, he says, prayer is first resort. And in that, you receive power from the Lord. Because... You will be in His mighty power. We are mighty not because of ourself, but we are mighty because of the Lord's power. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. Zechariah 4.10. In order to battle as a mighty warrior, you must be empowered by somebody that is much more powerful than you are. Greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world. The Apostle John wrote this. Greater is Christ in you than the devil in the world. This is a battle you cannot win in your own power. All too often, we try to do it ourselves. I don't know how many conversations I've had over the course of the last week. I was trying to do it on my own. Folks, it's community, And it's in relationship with God. Be strong in the Lord. And he also says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Meaning, there's something that we have access to, that we need, that we don't have. Right? Who does the full armor of God belong to? It's of God, it belongs to him. The only access that we have to the full armor of God is in conversation with God. This is an ongoing, continual, always kind of moment. Meaning, before you step out of bed, before you walk out the door, before you do the errands that you must do, before you go into work, before you push the buttons, before you lead people, before you come to church, before you get in your car, before you have that cup of coffee, Coffee's kind of empowering, right? That's not the power we're talking about here. Before we ask, if the church is supposed to be the church, which is to plunder the gates of hell, to snatch people from the fire, to advance the kingdom, to express the love of Christ to express grace and extend grace, to be forgiving, to be generous, to be loving, to pray for those who persecute us, we got to have the full armor of God. Now, most pastors would actually spend the whole time in the full armor of God and explaining what the full armor of God is, right? I think that's what most full armor of God sermons have been in my tenure as a, as a Christian, But we must understand that the full armor of God, we have access to it. It's not ours, but we have access to it, and we need it. The reason that you wear armor is because you are in battle. And so that you can advance. So, let's look at the armor of God, because this is the line that, um, excuse me, this is the line that they will learn upstairs. Mighty warriors use what God gives them access to. We have access to the full armor of God. And so here it is. Belt of truth, buckled around your waist, breastplate of righteousness in place, fitted with feet, fitted feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith for which it can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Folks, we are not meant to retreat you were never meant to retreat we were meant to stand our ground and we were meant to take ground from the helmet to the feet we may look at it as defensive material but it's all to advance see Paul has a picture of a Roman soldier which is an analogy and a metaphor. But he really has a true picture of the mighty warrior depicted in the Old Testament. And that mighty warrior is the divine warrior, the Lord our God, because he is our shield. Over and over and over, you read in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms, that he is our shield. He wears the breastplate of righteousness. He has the helmet of salvation. He is the truth. Folks, this is a picture of a divine warrior. Not just a Roman soldier. Not just a human soldier. He is the full armor of God. We are to clothe ourselves in him. In his character. In his holiness. In his power. Paul talks in the book of Ephesians of the old self. And the new self. Folks. Paul reminds us in this passage that you, when you receive Christ, you put on the new self. And you keep it on. And you go out with it. And you fight for it. You don't go back to it. You stay with it. You stand your ground. You keep deceptions and falsehoods and lies and accusations and allegations far from you because you're tied to the truth. The truth holds it all together. And with the sword of the Spirit, you are in hand-to-hand combat. This is no broadsword. This isn't slice your enemy who's several feet away from you. This is taking out the enemy who's right in front of your face. You can feel his breath. We are to take ground. Claim the ground that the Lord has already won. do everything humanly possible as well as everything divinely possible. I don't know about you. You may be sitting here not really aware that you're in a battle. If you're a believer, congratulations, you are. We need you as a warrior. You may not be a believer, but guess what? You're in a battle, whether you believe it or not. You might be that unwitting one, being used and abused in the devil's schemes. But there's a difference. As believers in Christ and followers of the Lord, as disciples of Jesus, again, we fight from the victory. If you don't know the Lord, you're fighting a losing battle because you're fighting from a weakened position and you really don't know who your enemy is and you really don't realize that you're being used by the enemy you actually think that the Lord is your enemy when he's not he's for you he came for you so if that's you I want to encourage you that this day today you can begin to fight from victory rather than the weakened position from the victory that the Lord has already won it's just a matter of you asking Jesus into your life asking him to forgive you of your sins be lord of life your life would you please stand heavenly father as we stand this morning i don't know who who's out there that needs needs that that has been fighting from a weakened position you do i believe that your spirit's been working in their life already that's you and you're done fighting from the weakened position you've been fighting a losing battle that you've been fighting without the power of the Lord because you don't have the Lord in your life I offer it to you I offer I offer that because the Lord has been offering that for centuries he's been offering his salvation he's offering you to take the helmet of salvation in your life to receive it I ask that you just there's nothing magical about the prayer but it's just sincere and genuine to our Lord I ask that you pray along with me it's very simple it's not the end of the it's just the beginning of the conversation but Jesus I give you my life that's it. Just asking that you have that you give Jesus your life. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Lord, I give you my life. That I may receive the life that you have. I've been deceived by lies. Lord, I give you my life. If that's you and you're standing in this room, I, I ask that you raise your hand. If you've prayed that for the first time if you invited christ into your life and you've given him your life i just ask you raise your hand be bold and take that helmet of salvation today if you're a follower of christ and you're a disciple and you didn't realize that you were in a battle and you've been fighting and you didn't realize that you've been fighting from the victory but you've been trying to fight it with everything that you have. But you have not asked for the power of God. And you have not gone together with the body of Christ that you've been fighting it alone. I ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're not alone. You're surrounded. You're surrounded by other warriors who want to fight with you, want to fight alongside of you, want to fight for you. Father, for those that raised their hand and those that chose not to, Lord, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are here to sharpen, here to encourage, here to hold accountability, here to hold the arms up in the battle, to pray, to love, to encourage, to be practical and provide needs. Lord, Father, will you... Will you move in those hearts that feel isolated? Who are under deceptions, who are under falsehoods? No one cares. Those are lies. Surround them. Will you prompt the body to pray for them? Will you prompt the body to go to them? Will you prompt the body to connect with them, to call them, to text them, to pray over them, to pray with them? Lord, will you prompt the body, and may they step in and be courageous, by your strength. Father, for this church, we're not here, we do not exist for ourselves. We don't do this because we feel good. We do this because we love you. We are gathered because we want to praise you. And we scatter because we want to be impactful in our community. We want to be salt and light in the darkness. We want to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. Families become holy and sanctified and on mission. We want to see people be generous with their homes, with their haves, with their finances, with their time to invest in people. God, may this church be fruitful. May we be on mission. God, will you send us out? And will you provide us opportunity? And if there is an opportunity provided, may we make the opportunity. Lord, may our conversations be seasoned with salt and full of grace. May we be the gracious. May we be the forgiving. Only because of you and your power. And may we have the full armor of God upon us each and every day. Please. We're about you and about your mission. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you that we are more than conquerors, that we are mighty warriors. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. May you love your neighbor as yourself. See you soon. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.